Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. We've been focused on mission. We've been called to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. And we've been learning all the way along that faith can be tested. And we followed God's Old Testament people as they were delivered from Egypt. And today we come to what I call I quit moments. This may be the most challenging of all the tests of faith because in this test, we have a choice about the direction of our lives. Nothing being done to us and nothing is being kept from us. We get to choose. Here's where we are in our story. They get to the, Israel gets to the Jordan River. Twelve spies were sent in to spy out the land. They were there for 40 days when the 12 spies reported back to, Mo, back to Moses and Aaron. This is what they said. We're in Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. They're the descendants of Anak who've come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Well, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept, wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, You know, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. The people heard the report of the spies and only heard, we can't. Instead of Joshua and Caleb's report that with God, we can. The dissension between the people and Joshua and Caleb, Moses and Aaron got so heated in fact, that at one point the people wanted to stone their leaders. The people said, we're not budging. Well, how did God respond to their defiance? What happened after they chose not to move forward was that they were sent into the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. Moses wrote down the reason why they were sent into the wilderness. Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, 
The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of the signs that I have performed among them? We jump over to verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Israel consistently said crazy things like, we're going to die in the desert and we can't fight against those giants that are living in those fortified cities. This is ridiculous. And God was listening. You know, I was on a Zoom call recently with a group of pastors from around the nation, and they were sharing how people were reacting to current events. And they said that listening to all the negativity and the opinions was confusing and, frankly, driving them crazy. What occurred to me was that the greater problem was how we personally talk about current events, if we do at all. And I said to them, hey, let's be sure that the voice driving us crazy isn't our own. What I'm saying is this, guard your words, speak carefully, be deliberate, because the one person that our ears always hear and believe is ourself, and God is listening too. He was listening to his Old Testament people. So how did he respond to them? We just read it. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Now that's a powerful statement. Our words are given life. Well, this began the 40 long years of waiting to enter into the promised land. There was one year for each of the 40 days that the spies explored the promised land. The mindset of slavery was so pervasive that it took 40 years to get it out of them. God was angry, yet in this discipline, he was also being a loving father because he knew that his people were not ready to enter the promised land for the simple reason that they didn't fully trust him. So everything he taught them in the wilderness encouraged them to focus their eyes on him and his plan for them. He was growing and developing a whole new generation to step into the promised land while he was also preparing Joshua to lead them. When it comes right down to it, there is a moment of decision about whether or not we want to move forward when God presents us with something. There's a moment when we get to choose. You know what surprises me about this story? It's not that God's people decided not to move forward. It's that God didn't make them. I'm fascinated that God didn't force them to move forward with the plan. He didn't say, Look at all the things I've done for you. Think about all the griping and complaining I've endured. And now you don't want to go into the promised land? Oh, please, by all means, tell me what else you want or don't want. I'll wait. He didn't say any of that. But he was angry. In fact, God was prepared to strike the people down with a plague when Moses again delivered the people by pleading with the Lord to spare them and show his glory and grace to them. He says, you don't want to go into what I've prepared for you. This is what I imagine God's saying. Step aside, Moses, so you don't get burned. I'm serious. That's what happened. But Moses suggested, hey, why don't you give them what they asked for? And that's what happened. What was going to happen had already been decided. When it would happen, well, 
God included them on that decision about timing. He didn't let them decide if the people were going to move into the promised land. The mission had already been decided, but whether or not they would be a part of it, that was their choice. God loved them either way, but their lives would be hugely impacted by their choice. Why did he include them? It's because of a little thing called faith, belief. They didn't enter the promised land because they didn't believe. God doesn't force us to live at the radical center of his will for our lives. He invites us. This was an invitation for them to join in what God was doing. God invites. The call of Jesus is very simply, follow me. It's a calling. It's an invitation. You know, whenever you receive an invitation for a banquet or a wedding, you just you, we can leave it on the kitchen counter or hang it on the fridge, but you have to decide if you're going, because choosing is one of the most spiritual things we do. The problem here wasn't that they were horrible people or that they didn't think God would be with them. The problem was that they didn't believe. They had experienced God's power, but they didn't believe. Belief, not knowledge or opinion, is often the missing ingredient. I remember once when I was trying to make a decision on how best to move forward in ministry, one of my mentors asked me this question. He said, well, what do you want? My gut reaction to that was that that's the wrong question. Shouldn't we be asking, what does God want? I'm concerned about what, what does God want? But we know what God wants. We know the will of God. The problem isn't his will, it's my will. His will is clear, my will can be foggy. In fact, sometimes my will becomes so big and important that it can, I can no longer see his will. You see, what we want, what you want, what I want matters because God created humans to have free will. We get to choose. And sometimes we choose not to believe God. And God hears us. That was probably one of the toughest lessons the Israelites learned. They chose not to enter the promised land now they later, later, they regretted it and they tried to change their mind. But moving forward into enemy territory requires full commitment. I mean, I'm talking wholehearted commitment. Why did they decide not to move forward initially? Because they listened to the majority. Listen, sometimes group discussion is nothing more than the pooling of ignorance. Whenever God speaks, he is the majority. And if I disagree with scripture, I just assume I'm wrong. Now, I think it's important to point out that while Israel chose to quit in this moment, Joshua, who was 50 years old, and Caleb, who was 40 years old, lived according to their convictions, and later they were able to not only see but live in the promised land and their families as well. Maybe you don't have the luxury to choose better circumstances, but like Joshua and Caleb, you can choose a mindset that but says, I believe God and, and I'm gonna live accordingly. Faith in God and not in circumstances is the key to consistent living. In fact, Caleb would later say in Joshua chapter 14, verse seven, he's talking about this incident. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought back him a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. 
So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because I, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. When given a choice, how do we choose? Not only in attitude, but in life. Do we, re do we respond stubbornly? Just say, I'm going to stay put. Do we choose as though we know the Lord or as though we're spoiled children who want to go back to the way things were? When given a choice to do the hard thing, what do you choose? The safe way, the known way, or do you take a risk convinced that the Lord is in it? Scripture says those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Scripture says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. The scripture says anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I received an email from a friend many years ago, a dear friend who was facing some incredibly difficult news, but wrote this to me. A friend asked me if I would talk to her home Bible study. She wants me to talk about my walk through the past two years and the way God has led me. God's message comes through so clearly at times, but at other times, I seem to be in a fog. Too often, I've chosen fear, but sometimes I've chosen faith. God has led me through some discouraging, bitter, terrifying, and I quit moments. I understand the I quit moments for the first time in my life. Never in my life before had I hoped for death. Thankfully, that is past. I'm working on choosing faith each day. Though he slay me, she writes, yet will I trust him. My future is changed so drastically, but I know that it can be changed for the better. So the 10 spies spread a bad report about the land among the people, and the, but the problem wasn't as much the report as it was their focus. You see, the problem was the focus of the people. They were focused on themselves rather than God. The people believed the report rather than believing God. The facts of the report were accurate in most respects. The people were large, the land was fertile, but their focus was all wrong. They kept God's power and provision out of the equation. This is why the scripture teaches us, fix your eyes on Jesus. This is why Paul wrote, forget what is behind and strain to what's ahead. And why the scripture encourages, we live by faith and not by sight, so we make it our goal to please him. Why did they choose not to move forward? Because the reasoning of the 10 spies probably made really good sense to them. They believed the spies who looked at the options through very practical eyes more than the spies who looked at it through spiritual eyes. The people came to a point of decision when they had a say in the matter. This was different from when they faced the Red Sea because there, there, there's no army threatening. They crossed the Red Sea, I think, more out of fear. I know the scripture says they passed through by faith, but more out of fear than faith. Now they had to deal with choosing the path of faith or the path of fear. Would they trust God to do the impossible or would they freeze in fear? See, up to this point in their lives, everything had been decided for them. When they were slaves in Egypt, the Egyptians made the decisions for them. They had plenty of food and water, though, but they were slaves. 
When Moses came along, God began making the decisions for them and providing everything that they needed. Now God pointed across the Jordan River and promised that he would provide the victory, but it would require faith. Remember that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Caleb was asking that they believe in what they couldn't see. He said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. Caleb was sure of what he could not see. The other 10 spies were certain of what they could see. And the people believed the report of the 10 because it just made good sense. So we face I quit moments. In these moments, fear says to us, wouldn't it be better if you just went back to Egypt? But faith steps in and says, we can move forward because the Lord is with us. We will not be afraid. But in the end, the people said, we, we should just go back because that makes good sense. You know, sometimes we, like the Israelites, want out of or just away from where we are more than we want to follow God. Getting his people out of Egypt was relatively an easy proposition, I think. By chapter 14, we read physical deliverance was complete. It took God 40 days to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Delivering us from the world, getting us free from the hold of sin and the, 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 the devil's hold is a relatively easy matter for God. But getting the world out of us is another matter. I just find it so interesting that God has given humans the ability to choose. Our thoughts are like settings on a thermostat because they act as unequivocal set points. That's the temperature at which the switch is activated. If temperature falls below that set point, the heater is on and the temperature rises. When the rising temperature passes the set point, the thermostat switches the heater off and the temperature just falls passively. But eventually, the temperature falls below the set point and the cycle repeats itself. So what is your setting? Is your mind set to please God or yourself? Who would you say is your Lord and master? The Bible teaches us to take care of what we're thinking because it might in fact be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Our direction in life springs directly from our hearts. It's what scripture teaches. So we have to govern our hearts and our minds continually. That's why Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Your heart determines the course of your life. I, I want to end where we started by reminding you that a new mindset leads to a brand new life because it leads to new, because thoughts lead to new actions and habits which determine our character and destiny. The Israelites were free, but they still had the mindset and attitudes of slaves. We have to have a mindset asking, Lord, what do you want us to do? And what we are saying is God has called us to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Right in the middle of that circle where we, we want to live lives that are called out, we recognize the fact that, that, that faith 
that belief that we have that God is calling us forward, and if he's calling you forward, we know that faith is gonna be tested. But we know that God is faithful. And we know that if we walk carefully, he will always be ahead of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the call that you have on our life. I pray for every person that is listening to this, that is praying with us right now, Father, that you will lead us. Help us to be courageous to follow you where you lead. Father, we want nothing more than for you to be glorified. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.